Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. We gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The light shines on us today from Paul's second letter to the Church of Corinth, chapter 9. The point is this, Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever bows bountifully will also reap bountifully. These words kind of cut to my heart. Um, I probably need to step it up a notch. But today, not only will we be cut to the heart with God's law, but also filled even more with God's grace that we find in Christ. Thank you for tuning in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. A special thanks to Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we have with us a special privilege to have Pastor Jason Bredesen, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Sacramento, California, and also wing chaplain of the 940th Air Refueling Wing at Beale Air Force Base in California. Pastor Bredesen, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Good morning, Pastor Fenner, and thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, let me think here. California, you are two hours behind us, so it's 9 o'clock there, right? I'm not good with this. That is correct, yeah. Got it. Got it. I mean, that, that's got to be difficult. You know, like for us, football starts at noon on Sundays, but like, <laughs> are you in the middle of church when football starts? Is that how that works? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the morning <laughs> games are missed on us, that's for sure. <laughs> We, we would have it no other way, though. We love no, Jesus and, and that's just right. to be with him. <laughs> that's right. You don't have to end the service early in California. Yeah, anyways. Right. Well, Pastor Bredesen, I believe this is your first time in KFUO. Is that correct? It is, yeah. It, it's a, an honor and a, a joy to be here with the saints of God. You know, it, it's funny as I, I think about that is we, when we went to seminary, I mean, we would literally— play basketball we would weight lift and we would play softball flag football 20 feet from kfuo i mean you know what i mean it was yeah. right there and i never went in that building did you ever go in that building never once stepped foot in it yeah yeah it's just crazy it's just crazy but anyways is, as we yeah. know it's worldwide kfuo and now i'm here in minnesota and you are there but yet we are still together in christ on kfuo so let's start this way pastor can you tell us a few things about yourself and the saints at and the work of the saints at Trinity Sacramento to get us started. Since you are new and and I'm still still very new as well, can you give us a few uh, um, uh, nuggets about yourself? Yeah, so um, I'm originally from the Seattle area, and uh, since you bring up football, I do have to say that uh, I am a diehard Seahawks fan. So go Hawks! We had a premature exit from the playoffs, which was disappointing, <laughs> but you know it happens. Um, I grew up outside of Seattle and uh, grew up in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, left Lutheranism altogether to pursue ministry in um, the American evangelical kind of big box church world for a while and got to uh, my alma mater, Simpson University in Northern California here and realized how much I very much appreciated the doctrine of justification and 
went and spoke with the Missouri Synod pastor there in town, and the rest, as they say, is history. Mm-hmm. I'm in my mm-hmm. second call here at Trinity Lutheran uh, in downtown Sacramento. We're about 12 blocks from the Capitol. In her 105-year history, I am the fourth pastor. So even though I've been here 13 years, I'm still the kid, as it were. (laughs) Um, And the Saints of Trinity are just a wonderful uh, gift of God to me and my wife, Miranda, my two children, Ellie and Lucas. Um, Love those people dearly. They're horrible sinners, but they love the gospel dearly and um, chief among them, I, uh, I've been known to uh, do my own fair share of sinning and rejoicing in the grace and mercy of Jesus as well. well that's wonderful. Um, thanks be to God for uh, Trinity and also for their sharing their pastor today for an hour. Um, and so we're we're pleased to have you, Pastor Bredesen. And today we'll be looking at Second Corinthians chapter nine. And I wanted to start with this. I want us, to, for you, our listeners, to. I think there's a way we can look at this chapter and and begin in joy and leave with joy. So I want to tell a story. And the story goes like this, that when I was in college, I went and worked at camp in New York, upstate New York, in the Adirondack Mountains. And one day, we were idiots, and we're like, hey, let's let's hike a giant mountain. And uh, And so we did. And we didn't have nearly enough water. I mean, we're just, you know, 19-year-olds going up there thinking we can conquer the world. Not nearly enough water. So we're just we're just dying. We get to the top. We're all good. We survive. We're coming down. And I'll never forget this, is that there was this flowing, um, just water flowing from the top down, you know, in this water. And you're just thirsty as anything. You're like, oh, I want to drink it. And at first, you're like, no, we can't. It might be contaminated. And by the time we get a little bit further down, we're like, no, no, we can't. I really want to, but I can't. And finally, we get to this pool at the very bottom, and we get to the point where we're like, I don't care if I get sick. I'm drinking this water. And so we drink the water, and we jump in. We're so hot, and we're so wore out. It took about, it about a five-hour hike. We jump in, and, and we're so much joy that was there. We were, you know. Um, so excited, so joyful, and, and we had one of the greatest uh, memories I have when I worked at camp. And I think about that with cheerful giving is that uh, you see the, the, the grace of God flowing down and you enjoy that grace so much that you're able to go in and there's cheering. And then that, you know, that water will, will go even from that little pool that we were in and it spreads out and there's so much joy for all of us. Maybe not quite the same joy, but just you see that flowing, I would say, of God's grace flowing upon us. And there is joy that we want to share with others. That's how I wanted to start. What are your thoughts on that as we begin this? I love it. Um, I, I, like you, could step up my game in terms of cheerful giving. And yet, uh, what a gift that God has given us in Jesus Christ that uh, freely opens the door for us to share God's gifts to all of us. And I, too, have a very similar story about not enough water on a lengthy hike that <laughs> that I can share as well. Oh, to be young and dumb again. Now I'm just oh, old yes. and dumb. <laughs> That's right. I know. Exactly right. Reminder as we get into this, I, I really do encourage our listeners to, if you want to dig deeper into chapters 8 and 9 of Second Corinthians, a great resource we had President Harrison on on Wednesday is a great resource that he wrote, Remember the Poor, How the Earliest Christians Cared for the Poor. This is through CPH. 
And as we heard through that, he goes verse by verse and unpacks these powerful words of Scripture. And so, Pastor, as we begin this, can you begin us in prayer? I'd be happy to. We pray. Holy Father, you promise us that every good and perfect gift comes from you, the Father of lights. Thank you. We are grateful for the care, the love, the generosity that you have shown to us in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we engage the study of your Holy Scriptures now in Second Corinthians 9, may you bless and keep us according to your promise. Strengthen us in your word, and uh, may your Son, our Lord, be glorified in this study. Your church be edified, and the community around us served through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's begin in verses 1 and 2, and then we can talk about some background information if we wish. Verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you, to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. I think, I think I'm going to stop there. So what... So... Tell us about some background information on this. When Paul writes this, do you do you have any background things you want to share? Certainly, the the uh, offering that's being taken up is for the sake of um, those uh, in the church in Jerusalem who had um, been experiencing some very difficult times for uh, any number of reasons, and so as Paul was going around to his various ministry uh, and mission outposts, he would take up offerings to return to the church in Jerusalem for the sake of their well-being. Um, it really is just a beautiful picture of uh, the entire body of Christ working together in the truth that um, was spoken in 1 Corinthians, that when one part of the body hurts, the whole thing hurts. And um, and as the healing process comes together throughout the body, the entire church is well cared for and served through the the sacrifice and generosity around the body of Christ. That's that's a great that's, that's great because you look at this; it's called the Great Collection. Clearly, there were there were issues. President Harrison talked about how the Great Collection and the gathering of it was probably around a ten year um, process which I didn't know that. I hadn't really looked at the years before, but this was a, a long process in chapter eight. He speaks about, okay, this is how we're going to do it. All right. We're going to, I'm sending Titus. I'm sending these two other guys. They're great in the gospel. That's one of the great lines in there that this guy's like a rock star of the gospel. I mean, what a great, hopefully, hopefully we can be described that way. And sometimes, right. Um, but they're, they're coming and don't disappoint me because they're coming in the glory of Christ and the glory of Christ is with you. And here he gets back to the collection and he's going to give back an argument of why we should give. So he begins here in verses one and two. Do you have any thoughts on these two verses he begins? First of all, I love that he uses the word superfluous. I mean, you can't go wrong <laughs> starting with that. Um, so true. It's a, <laughs> Might as well make the use, uh, make the most of the language, right? Um, I, I love that he reaches out to them. Uh, I find the, the the entire argument that he makes here, uh, kind of playing the uh, the Corinthians and the Macedonians off of one another, in terms of um, 
almost a, an encouragement to give more strongly than the others are giving uh, and to not let um, let them fall behind, as it were. He's, he's spurring them on in the grace of Jesus to encourage mm-hmm. their uh, strength of giving. I just love the approach that he takes. It's not common in our stewardship campaigns in our day and age. Right. I mean, I don't go to you and say, by the way, our church raised this much money, and then you and your sermon at, uh, at Trinity says, well, by the way, the people in Messiah, Minnesota, these humble people who don't say much did this, and us loud Californians should do better than them. I mean, you just don't hear that. Unless, I've never heard that. Have you heard that before? I haven't, but I'm going to say it this Sunday. <laughs> it's a guarantee. <laughs> so what he does is he pumped up the Macedonians with the great work of Achaia and says, hey, look what they're mm-hmm. doing. And now he's doing the same thing to the Corinthians. Look at the Macedonians and look at what they're doing. Right. And yeah, I think, could we look at this in the, in the realm of he's just, you know, is it, is it prescribed or is it described? Um, I think we probably could look at this more of a description of how Paul is doing it. It isn't a guarantee that we have to do it this way, stewardship-wise. Um, but it is interesting how he does it. Not sure if it would work today, but definitely a description of how he did it. And it was all to God's glory. I mean, this was not for Paul. Mm-hmm. He's very intentional about not his name not being on this, obviously for baptisms as well in 1 Corinthians. Um, but he wants the people in Jerusalem to be um, um, served in body and in soul. Last, let any other things here in verses one and two. No, I, I, you know, as I um, read this and reflected on it, studied it, I see a common thread running through Paul as he goes about seeking the the encouragement and cooperation of all of God's people. As I read through this, the first thing that struck me, uh, if I can make a little cross reference here is Please. that little book of Philemon uh, and mm, how mm-hmm. he, how Paul um, speaks to Philemon about his receiving back Onesimus, his slave, uh, but receiving him as a brother. And he even at one point says uh, in the midst of um, the letter written to Philemon, hey, you know, you owe me your very life uh, in the gospel. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, kind of trusting you to do the right thing here and not only receive Onesimus back, but receive him back as your brother and not as a slave. Yeah, that's a good point. And then even in there, he's like, prepare a room for me when I'm coming. Right. You know, yeah. I'm surprised. <laughs> make make me a pie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Save but there is that, the there is that, there is that relationship of we are together in Christ. The grace of God has flown upon both of us as sinners. Um, let's do this. We can do this because God's grace has called us to do it. Um, mm. And maybe maybe we need to be more direct on those kind of things. Say, you know what? Let's step it up as a church. Um, let's step it up as God's people. Let's step it up as individuals because, God dang it, we have salvation. It's Christ who has died for me. Mm. And the, the grace is still flowing with me, and he's not left me. I mean, I... I'm not sure how to do this, um, but I think it's something that we probably should be challenged with this text. Last thoughts? Yeah, I agree. You know, that that last sentence there of uh, verse 2, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. 
Mm. I agree with you. The the um, the encouragement that Paul is giving here to uh, the people is to say, look, you guys are doing great stuff. They're doing great stuff. Let's figure out how to do great stuff together. And that zeal will be, it, it'll stir up each other. It'll encourage one another to, to continue to take part in, um, in this great campaign for the sake of the body of Christ. Well, let's move on, verses 3 through 5, and do this together, verses 3 through 5. But I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. So he, he kind of steps it up another level here, right? So I'm sending the brothers. We don't know who these brothers are exactly. They're described in chapter 8. And he sends them ahead, probably since, you know, since Titus as well, sends them ahead and basically says, don't disappoint me. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't make a fool of me or you. <laughs> right. And he's very direct when he says, um, if some Macedonians come with me and find out you are not ready, we would be humiliated. So he's right. He's shaming them almost. What are your thoughts on, oh, on this and these verses? And then he, he turns it back on them. Yeah, I gosh, don't don't embarrass me. Oh, by the way, you'd be embarrassed too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do this. Let's not do it this way. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, there's there's a few things I I was reading on this is that part of it is he's he's very very upfront. You know the Macedonians are being very generous. We see this in chapter eight, and these are people that don't have as much as you. Uh, you are very blessed in Corinth. Um, you have you have a, a you know you have possessions. You have your gifts, and you know we have to be careful as Christians that we don't compare and act like um, you know your life is blessed because you have more than them or something. Here he makes a move that's more like, you have more, so how can we bless other people with this? And he's using that. He's using humiliation here. He's including himself. And he's, remember at seminary, it's kind of like, you know, use your chips wisely once you get into the parish. Mm -hmm. You know, don't just make all these changes and then lose all your reputability. But here Paul is, is, he's throwing his chips on the table. And he's just saying, hey, be generous. And he's being very direct right now. And later on, he's going to get back to the grace of God. But he's being very direct. Hey, do this. Um, uh, uh, I, I, I need you to do this and do it as you have promised. But then he says at the end, be ready as a willing gift, not as exaction, which means covetousness. It's kind of a weird. Mm -hmm. I never used the word exaction before, but he's definitely putting the chips on the table. And he's saying, but this is in your hands. Thoughts on thoughts on these verses, Pastor? They're they're definitely strong words, and again, much different than any uh, stewardship campaign we see in our day and age. I I tend to agree with you. Maybe more direct language from um, from our churches is is perhaps viable. Um, you know, I think um, one of the things as as culture continues its uh, rapid march further and further from 
um, the life of the church, which I don't view necessarily as a bad thing. I think it's a painful thing, but it, it is certainly a good thing when the church is on the uh, outside of society for when we're weak, then the Lord is able to be strong. Mm. But uh, what what this shows us is, uh, as I have uh, shared with my congregation, what what where the gospel is really going gangbusters is in the third world, in Africa, Asia, parts of Latin America. And the the Holy Spirit is just at work in some really amazing ways, um, some very powerful ways. And here in um, 21st century North America, uh, it, he appears to be uh, less active. Not that he is less active, because where the word is proclaimed and the sacraments are administered according to their institution. There, the Holy Spirit is greatly at work, as we know. But what we have as the church in America today is buckets and buckets and buckets of dollars that we can utilize for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world so where resources are thin in the third world, we're able to, to uh, do our part, as it were, in resourcing that mission for, uh, for the sake of the gospel going forward in other parts of the world, not just where we're planted. You know, and that's, and that's a great reminder for us. Um, he's speaking explicitly in in chapter chapter 8 in this and chapter 9 in this we always have to reflect as i said we need to step it up because there's a lot of times we're just sowing sparingly and we'll get to that and that's where we need a reminder of okay buddy you know here here we go brothers and sisters let's get back to bare bones here let's get the back you know back mm-hmm. to this we are incredibly blessed you are a sinner, and Christ has died for you. Look at what you have, and how can we give thanks through this? You know, just look at the stewardship hymns. You know, we give thee but thine own, that none of this is yours mm-hmm. anyways. And and you and stewardship is law. When you give to, <laughs> when you give to the needy, that's law. This is you know, boom. Um, this is what you do. Generosity is not an option for Christian people, and Paul is definitely directing that right and cutting us right to the heart. Uh, we have about a minute here, Pastor. Any last thoughts as we before we take our break? Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul has certainly laid out his case, and he is uh, very strongly encouraging the church to, to step forward and be the church for the sake of the church and the world. And it is. It's. It's. This can be a bit difficult to hear, and yet the gospel uh, rings through very clearly as well. Well, I think this is uh, what's going to happen here. Is I encourage all of our listeners that if you want to watch uh, Trinity Lutheran Church in Sacramento this weekend, I can guarantee Pastor Bredesen will start with "Don't humiliate me, Amen" in his <laughs> sermon. What do you think? <laughs> it could very well happen. I'll point out the saints at, uh, in Messiah and Sartell, Minnesota. And oh, yikes, happening. yikes, yikes. <laughs> Anyways, once again, the grace of God flows down upon us. And for right now, we need to take a break. So we are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 9 with Pastor Jason Bredesen, and we will be right back.
Confused is sometimes called getting yourself all turned around, and it's a negative thing. But in the spiritual life, turning is often a positive thing, and music can encourage a person to keep turning, turning till they come round right. Join us on the next Sing for Joy. Sundays at noon on KFUO, the messenger of good news. On this Friday, January 22nd, 2021, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Ron and Linda Andre of Cottlesville, Missouri. Ron and Linda made a gift to KFUO in thanksgiving to the Lord as they celebrate their 49th wedding anniversary today. They are grateful to the Lord for His many blessings throughout their years together. Thank you, Ron and Linda Andre, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. The idea that our creation is the result of a fluke and accident is ridiculous. A hundred thousand monkeys typing on a hundred thousand typewriters, even after a million years, would never produce the works of William Shakespeare. But they might produce several episodes of Wrestling with the Basics Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on air or on demand. A click away 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. And welcome back. We are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 9, concluding um, our study with chapter 9 today with Pastor Jason Bredesen. And I just wanted to read the first verse of the hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be, as we look at the next few verses, which um, definitely points us to a life of thanksgiving and cheer. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. So now we have that difficult reality that we make giving sound like it should be, um, you do it and it hurts and it's no fun whatsoever. But here we are pointed to the idea of being joyful as we give. So let us read verse, let's, let's flow through this and literally flow through this um, verse by verse. Verse six, Paul makes a transition here. The point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. First, this kind of hits to the heart a little bit. Pastor, what do you think? You summed it up very well. It's uh, These words, as I look at my own life and my own giving in terms of um, uh, whether it's sparingly or bountifully, um, I, I need to assess things. I need to uh, prayerfully consider the bounty which God in Jesus Christ has given to me and how I proceed with regard to um, my own giving. And, and as I pastor Trinity, how do I lead them in their giving as well? Yeah, it's, it, it, it hits a little close to the breadbasket. 
<laughs> it really does. And at the same time, the language that Paul uses here does point us to Jesus. And and here here's how. I mean, first yeah. of all, we, we have to admit, yes, we all need to step it up a notch. Romans 8.32, he uses the same words. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will you not also graciously give us all things? I read that, and it, and it just... It, I mean, it's still kind of cuts to the heart, but it points us back to the loving mm-hmm. grace of our Lord Jesus, that we will spare a lot. I mean, uh, I become very tight-fisted with what I own, and and then then the problem comes when I do give. Then I be, then pride comes into my heart. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have to go yes. back to words like Romans eight. You know, who did not spare his own son to give him up for us all. Thoughts about verse six. This he re, I mean, he says this. The point is this, and he's you know kind of like when Jesus would say, "Behold," you know. Um, therefore, you hear this a lot in Second Corinthians. Here, he's just like, "Okay, let's let's refocus here." The point is this. What is the point he's really hitting home here? Yeah, it, um, I think the clarity of sowing and reaping, and the bounty by which you do that, clearly pays dividends, as it were. It's not that we give for the sake of getting back, but uh, but the, the, the joy in sharing with one another. I'm reminded of a few years ago, the, uh, there was a prominent um, American evangelical preacher who took up an offering to buy a new jet because his <laughs> old jet was getting old and tired and he needed something more reliable and naturally he took a lot of heat for that in the media and when that happened i i told my bible class uh you know one jet well as as an air force reserve chaplain i have eight jets (laughs) (laughs) they they don't belong to me granted but uh (laughs) right so they didn't buy you a jet after that they didn't they didn't buy you a jet they didn't. Yeah, I'm okay. still waiting okay. on that. But um, <laughs> but they are very generous in their own way. Um, the uh, the the reality of sowing and and reaping is is what it is. If you if you plant a small garden, you're you're going to get a few veggies. If you plant a big garden, you're gonna you're gonna bring in the the bounty of the harvest. Great. Yeah. It, it, I read it. It said, if a farmer skimps on his seed, on their seed, then the harvest will be poor. I mean, that's just a, it's just a fact. And mm-hmm. I've, I've yet to meet somebody who's very giving, who is very angry. Um, mm. I, you know, and I'm not, this is not 100%. I'm sure some of you out there, you know, maybe pastor, you've met them, but I, I've yet to meet somebody that you know is very giving, who is also very angry and bitter. Now, that's not a one-to-one, meaning that if I give more, then I'll just be happy. You know, I'm not trying to say that. I am saying that there is that grace of God that, that captures giving people, and you pray that he captures your heart, at least what we see with people. And that givingness does flow um, by the grace of God, of course, by the work of the Holy Spirit. And that joy comes um, um, through the giving and after the giving and so forth. So I, it's just an interesting observation I had as I was reading this, is that there is a blessing from it, not the amount um, comparison-wise, but just the act of giving does bring joy to the heart 
especially of the Christian. Yeah. Any I, last uh, thoughts that on that? Beautifully. What's that? No, just any thoughts on that? Go ahead. It was just beautifully spoken. Uh, you do see a, um, an expression of joy coming from those who give freely. Uh, being in an urban environment, one of my members is actually uh, homeless. He's difficult to keep records on, but he's a blessed saint yeah. of God yeah. in Jesus Christ. And even out of his great poverty, he's very generous. When I was meeting with him once a few years ago, he gave me a, a, a Christmas CD that was well-worn, well-scratched, and yet uh, provided me some, some great joy in receiving. And he also gave me a little Hot Wheels car for the mm. sake of uh, just showing how grateful he was to God in Jesus. And seeing his joy gave me so much great joy that in his poverty he gave so freely that's oh that's so good and people do that in so many wonderful ways we could probably talk all day about this and i'll just share this short little story is on sunday we had an annual meeting and there was this kind of a play on words someone said how many of you balance your own checkbooks and and a couple of people raise their hands and then the guy then our, our treasurer says well then i need your help with the books and so I was like, oh, so I stood up and I said, how many of you cook, you know, bake cookies? And people raised their hands and said, you're hired. You're going to bake me cookies. <laughs> so I'm doing, that's kind of a Paul move, right? I did a Paul move there. Yeah. But then literally yeah. right after church, one of our blessed saints, she, she comes up to me and she had three cookies in a Ziploc bag ready for me. I don't know how she did it. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> but the, uh, the joy Lord on her provide. face. Oh yeah, yeah. Joanne is like yeah, it was, it was like a, a bread fish from and, heaven in the form of yeah, that's a right. It's it manna, yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyways, but but that's just a small glimmer, like you're mentioning. But that's just one of those things that happens that we do for one another, and that comes simply from the grace of God. Let's move on to verse seven because this really captures it here. Verse seven: Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. I think this captures one of the, the big themes that we see in chapters 8 and 9, is that Paul is about conviction, not coercion. So he is telling them, I am not going to go and look at the books and say, well, you gave 10, you could have given 20, or something along those lines. But he is uh -huh. challenging them, give generously, because when we give... He wants people to be joyful because this is a conviction that flows from the grace of God upon us through Jesus Christ, not a guilt-driven, if you don't do this and God doesn't love you or something. I mean, Paul's so full of God's grace when he does this. Thoughts in verse 7, because this is one you'll see all the time, you know, in stewardship campaigns. But what are your thoughts and what are your reflections? As I looked at this, I was reminded of um, the widow in Luke 21, mm -hmm. who gave her two mites from, again, her extreme poverty. And the, the, the beauty that the Lord gives to us is that he doesn't, he doesn't care about denominations, uh, monetary denominations. Mm. Uh, he could, I, I believe as he received into the temper, temple treasury that 
gift of the woman who gave everything she had, he turned and did wonderful, beautiful, rich, glorious things with that as it went into the temple treasury. You know, I'm I'm reminded of Revelation where the the city of God is is proclaimed to have streets of the most pure gold, so pure that it is uh, transparent. That's pretty incredible. And so God doesn't need our money. Mm. But what who does need our giving is our neighbor who is in need. And so God, in his great abundance, uh, obviously Jesus and the cross and the forgiveness of our sins, opening the door for our great generosity to be able to to say, you know what, Lord, you have called me to love my neighbor in need. For the people here in Corinth, that is uh, right now for the saints in Jerusalem who are the recipients of this offering. And and what what rich beauty Paul is freeing the people with to say, you know what, it doesn't matter how much you give, it matters the the heart that is behind it. And the Lord can do great things even with the two cents that are offered by the widow. That that's wonderful. One of the struggles in stewardship and giving to the needy is that we instantly start comparing. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll look at, okay, this is what I'm going to give. And then our eyes kind of look to the right, look to the left, <laughs> and you say, okay, how much is Dr. So-and-so giving? And either you get, or, or who is, what about so-and-so over there? And then you become either, um, uh, you, you get excited that you're doing better than them, or you get depressed because you're not giving mm-hmm. as much to them. And Paul is basically saying, listen, Look at what God has given you. Look at the cross. Don't look anywhere else and give according to what you've decided in your heart because everything comes. Um, and I'm always a little comfort- uncomfortable with this, but the Bible uses the heart language so much as far as when it talks about faith. And so I, mm-hmm. you know, I get kind of get a little uncomfortable with it, but I have to, I have to stick with what God word, God's word has to say. So when God changes our heart, literally in Christ by the Holy Spirit, pours his love into our heart, Romans 5, and, and does that, we will then say, Lord, help me to be generous. Now, how can I be generous? So, this, I mean, this is a wonderful passage for us to always remember. We always end with it. You know, God loves a cheerful giver. Hey, all right. But the beginning part, I think, is very important for us to always emphasize as well. Last thoughts on verse 7, Pastor? Well, I think, you know, you bring up the wisdom of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and I think that really does play mm-hmm. out when when we do begin comparing ourselves to each other. It's just not helpful at all. Uh, and so Jesus says, you yeah, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing with regard to giving. Just give. Give what you can give. Uh, give freely and not out of compulsion and uh and be cheerful as you do it. Uh, do so from the abundance of joy that God and Jesus has given to you. Now I'll take one step back with that, and I think it's good for us to take a step back. When he speaks about the joys that's happening in Achaia and Macedonia, notice he doesn't ever give a number. 
He doesn't say, by the mm-hmm. way, they raised $10,000. What are you going to do? Um, and I'm not sure if that's significant or not, but it is good for us to find that balance of challenging people. And sometimes you need a point of reference. By the way, you know, this amount is what we actually need. And so you say, well, I'm feeling generous. I just gave five bucks and I am going to, uh, you know, um, a Sacramento Kings basketball game later, you know, kind of thing. Like, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe we're not being so generous. It's really a balance. But to go back to that understanding of 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 this grace comes from Christ. I, I'm finding myself joyful and kind of frustrated at the same time with this. But I know at the end of the day, and this goes even more, it's overflowing with God's grace. So let's move on. A through 10. A through 10. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, as it is written. He has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. What is Paul saying here, Pastor? Oh, uh, oh man. He says so much, and it's so rich that, um, again, the generosity that God has shown to us in Jesus abounds, absolutely abounds. You see in verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. When I read that, immediately my mind went to Isaiah 55, where it mm. talks about the 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 the, um, the bread and the seed and the rain and snow coming down from heaven to, to grant those things in a, their abundance. He, he reflects on that with regard to his word. So is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void, but will accomplish all that I desire of it. I think that's what he's saying here. He's saying, hey, I am, a, Paul is saying, God is abundant toward you in everything and what a gift he gives and continues to give and does not stop giving to you um, as the word continues to enrich our lives uh, and out of that abundance of grace and mercy we have the blessed opportunity to respond in kind love our neighbor in need. And I, he uses the word all quite a bit there, is that you make all <laughs> grace, you know, God's favor, um, undeserved favor upon us. So it's all on him. So that having all sufficiency, you'll be able to do everything in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And this is, and this is good for us to remember in all parts of life, that what God calls us to, he will give us what we need to be able to do it. Um, of course, we, you know, we got to work hard and we have to do certain things, but we forget that God will provide all that we need to do this. And the same thing, how can we help the people in Jerusalem? God will provide a way. Last thoughts in verses 8, eight through 10. That's just some good stuff there. I love That's it. Right. That's right. I know. It's very clear. Yeah. Um, we give out of abundance that we have in Christ instead of scarcity. And, and you mentioned this a little bit with how the church operates today, is that we have a tendency to operate in the idea of scarcity. Um, and it, I'm not saying this is about how much you have in your bank account, but we act as if 
God will not provide for our needs. And then we clench a little tighter to what we have as opposed to being freely and giving. I mean, like you said, with your member, the matchbox car, um, with my member, the, the cookies that came is that um, that came from a realization of abundance. They didn't think, well, I wanted those cookies or I wanted that match park max box car for myself is you're thinking of how can I serve my neighbor because God has supplied me with everything. So let's keep going here. Um, let's do 11 and 12. It gets even better. I think 11 and 12, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce Thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Give us some thoughts here, Pastor. Uh, again, the, the result of cheerful giving is, is thanksgiving to God. Um, as we give out of the abundance that God and Jesus has given to us, it just returns back to God in the form of that thanksgiving, that that Eucharistic giving of thanks to everything that God has given to us. Mm. He says, enrich in every way and be to be generous in every way. I, I love all the like the alls and the every and sufficiency mm-hmm. and all these things. He's really pointing them to their reality because a lot of times we don't think about okay this is our our reality you know we think of ideals what i ideally want or what i used to have when when the corinthians are being challenged right now to look at what they actually have you have tons of stuff (laughs) and you you have wealth which is an opportunity for god to say how can i serve others with this um and, and, and this is good for us as a reality and a challenge for you, our listeners, for me and pastor, is what do we have and looking to the cross to be generous. Jesus is the greatest giver of all time. So don't act like you're the greatest giver. You're not. Jesus always will be above you. Right. And he will give you what you need to be generous and for you to decide in your heart what that looks like. I mean, it is it is a wonderfully gospel based exhortation for us today. And he leads, it leads to Thanksgiving. I mean, this is a soul, right. a soul issue um, that mm-hmm. the giving not only is going to help them physically, but it's going to help their souls and the souls of those who, um, who are receiving it. I mean, this is not just a, I need food, but a enrichment of how God uh, will bring Thanksgiving to these individuals who also receive it. Thoughts on how the soul part of this, not only for the giver, but also for those who receive it. Yeah, for the ministry of this service, verse 12, is not only supplying the needs of the saints. There you, you, what you reflected on, this is going to help people who really need the help. But is also, he continues, overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Uh, overflowing. It, it's mm. abounding. Um, my, my cup is running over. Uh, mm. the, the gifts that are given here and received just abound in that thanksgiving to God. In my opening prayer, I I prayed that uh, Christ would be glorified in this conversation and that the church be edified and Mm -hmm. the community served. And and that's, that's the, the joy that we have in giving is that 
as Christ is glorified, the church certainly is edified and the community certainly is served uh, for the sake of the gospel. And uh, in that glory of Christ, the, uh, the overflowing of many thanksgivings to him, uh, well, it overflows. It abounds in such a way that, that it is incomprehensible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Pastor, we have about six minutes here, and I want to finish off 13 through 15 and get your concluding thoughts, because there's a lot of great stuff in these last verses. So let's, let's uh, finish this off, 13 through 15. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. Now, there's a few interesting things here. I want to start with the um, that the Jerusalems approve of this service. You know, it, you can't help somebody who does not want to be helped. So they are mm-hmm. they are open to this. They are thankful for this. And because of it, they will not glorify the Macedonians. They will not glorify the Corinthians. It says, they will glorify God because of your submission, flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ. What is Paul telling us here? He, I really think he's tying it all into the worship life of the people, the confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and um, the, 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 that, that does not happen in isolation, but as the people of God in Macedonia and Achaia in Corinth in Jerusalem throughout the world there where the gospel has reached, even down to us today, we operate, we function as the body of Christ. And um, their reception, the, the saints in Jerusalem, their reception of the gospel um, as it is given in monetary form is uh, for the sake of the glory of God. And, um, and that is the, the beautiful act of worship, um, the mm-hmm. reception of word and sacraments, the confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, um, that makes this abundance so rich and um, connects all parts of the body, regardless of geography. I love that because it says flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ. This goes back to my hike where we have the understanding of when you have a very clear confession of the gospel, meaning, well, Second uh, Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich. That's very clear that everything we have and all of our salvation, forgiveness, everything flows from Jesus and the full sufficiency that we have in the cross. And that, like it says, flowing down, and it not only flows down, um, but it flows down on you. I mean, you can't obviously get away from a baptismal thought when you think about the pool that we jumped into, but it brings all of it God's favor for Christ's sake. When you have Jesus figured out, it is something that flows your generosity to your neighbor. So, um, Last thoughts on these verses. We got we got about two minutes. 
while they long for you, verse 14, and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Again, the connection with the entire body of Christ, regardless of geographic separation. And Paul says it all in verse 15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Amen. What more can be said? What more can be said, yeah. And I was thinking about this in Psalm 95. Um, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. This is not only a time for us to think on Thanksgiving Day, but it is a time for every day for the Christian. How can we give thanks to God as we look to the cross, the empty tomb, the hope of the resurrection for ourselves and the, the, the time where we will be with Jesus forever? Pastor, when you look at this, what is a word or two that you would sum up this chapter? How would you just sum this up? Or even more words if you wish, but short. I would sum it up with um, abundance, the abundance yeah. of that God has given to us in Jesus uh, results in our abundance toward the body of Christ, toward the, the communities in which we live. And uh, that abundance, like a, like a snowball at the top of a mountain, turns into an avalanche of thanksgiving and further giving. Um, I see abundance throughout this entire chapter. As you said, abundance of grace. Well, Pastor, mm -hmm. it is a joy to have you with us. Pastor Jason Bredesen is pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Sacramento, California, helping us today with 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Pastor Bredesen, thank you for being our guest. Thank you, Pastor Fenner. Saints of our Lord, it is our time to be generous. We look at everything that God has given to us. This is first article stuff. He's given us everything. And most of all, he's given us our Lord Jesus. That when he's on that cross, how can we not but say, how can I be giving to others? Today, I'm your host, Pastor Brady Finnern, Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell. Thank you for joining us. And the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. <laughs>